It's been almost two months since we launched She Launch, and you know when you love something so much that you want to do it every single day? That is me on the coaching calls inside She Launch. I literally want to do them every single day. I love it. And for those of you that have not heard of She Launch, it is for female coaches, consultants, and service providers who are wanting to earn six figures online with their dream business. Inside, we teach sales, marketing, leads, mindset, AI, offer mastery, and so much more. We also have just launched the She Launch CRM. Yep, we have our very own amazing CRM now, which I'm so excited about. Now, I believe this is the best online business and mindset training for female entrepreneurs, but don't take my word for it. Here is what Eilish has to say about it. The community is absolutely incredible as well. That's another thing that I really love about SheLaunch. Again, I've been in masterminds where the community's been either dead in the water or it's just had a weird vibe. (laughs) And with SheLaunch, the community is nurturing. They're really kind to each other. They're so supportive. And you feel like you are part of something really special. So if you are thinking about joining, jump on a call and then see what you think, because I know that you won't be disappointed. And this is what Rita thinks. I have absolutely loved every second of the She Launch program. I cannot explain how deeply transformative it has been for me personally. I am eternally grateful. It is worth every cent and I would highly recommend it to anybody. And here's what Belinda thinks. Signing up for She Launch is one of the best decisions I ever made. The content is extensive and groundbreaking amazing. Uh, Melissa and all the team are so supportive, helpful, always there for you and really loving kindness. Plus the connections I've made with the ladies that are in the group have been exceptional. We're all a team. We all support each other. If you're going to do something, sign up for She Launch. It's amazing. Babe, I would love and be honoured to work with you. All you have to do is head to shelaunch.com for all the details. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Head to shelaunch.com and I cannot wait to meet you. This is episode number 127 with Aubrey Marcus. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? This week's podcast is brought to you by Organifi, which is a superior organic, all-natural, vegan superfood blend, refined and clinically tested and time-proven. Now, as most of you know, I travel a lot. 
but my health is one of my top priorities and something I'm so passionate about and will never skimp on, which is why when I travel, I carry my little Organifi green juice sachets with me. So no matter where I am in the world, I can always start my day with delicious, alkalizing, nourishing greens, which is great because no matter what happens after that, at least I've started my day loaded with green goodness. And the amazing thing about Organifi is they don't just do greens. They have red juice, golden turmeric blends, yum-o, clean protein powders, probiotic blends, and so much more. Now, I first tried these yummy greens last year when we were doing service work with the Syrian refugees in Greece because Mike Sherbakov, who has been on this show, whipped out his little green sachets every morning And a few days in, I asked if I could try one, and I was hooked. Not only is it super delicious, but I felt amazing and was buzzing with energy. And so I have a special offer for you. If you want to get 20% off anything store-wide, all you have to do is head to OrganifiShop.com, and that's spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I Shop.com. Don't worry, I'll link to it in the show notes just in case you're driving and type MA Tribe at the checkout and you will get 20% off everything in your cart. How epic is that? Aubrey Marcus is the founder and CEO of Onnit, a lifestyle brand based on the holistic health philosophy of total human optimization. Since its founding, Onnit has become an Inc. 500 company and industry leader with over 250 products ranging from peak performance supplements to foods, fitness equipment and apparel. Inspired by his lifelong experience as a multi-sport athlete, as well as his background in ancient philosophy, His goal was to create a company that empowered customers to achieve their fullest human potential. With the launch of the firm's flagship supplement, Alpha Brain, in 2011, Onnit was born. Aubrey currently hosts the Aubrey Marcus podcast, a destination for conversations with the brightest minds in athletics, business, science and philosophy with over 10 million downloads on iTunes. Holy smokes, that's a lot of ears. And earlier this year, he led his first three-day seminar about relationships called Love Practice Makes the Master and is also the creator of the life coaching program called Go For Your Win. He was featured on the cover of Men's Health and his first book, Own the Day, Own Your Life, Optimize Practices for Waking, Working, Learning, Eating, Training, Playing, Sleeping and Sex is out now. Aubrey recently offered insight to over 6,000 entrepreneurs during his roundtable discussion at the Synergy Global Forum which is a two-day conference in New York that brought together the world's most admired business leaders, literary icons, tech wizards, and entertainers. On top of that, he is also a sought-after public speaker, 
and multi-platform media expert. And he often provides commentary to outlets like Entrepreneur, Forbes, Fusion, The Doctors, Dr. Oz, and The Joe Rogan Experience. And in today's episode, we chat about his story from being an athlete to the super successful CEO of Onnit, what his company Onnit does, what is total optimization, the life-altering experience that he had at 19 years old, how to own your day and own your life, his life-changing daily habits that will help you master your life, the six best free miracle drugs. I loved these and you guys are going to love them too. The surprising thing he attributes his success to, how he deals with being in an open relationship with his fiance. This was amazing to hear his insights on this. Plus so much more. And for everything that Aubrey and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 127. And before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from Stella Day and she says, talk about inspirational. Melissa's podcasts are flooded with inspiring, knowledgeable, loving people. There is always something to gain out of each of them, and I look forward to listening every week. Between Melissa's books and podcast, I'm definitely a changed person for the better. I'm so glad. Thank you so much, Stella, and thank you for this beautiful review. If you want to be the review of the week, don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave me your review now. And without further ado, let's bring on the amazing Aubrey Marcus. Aubrey, it is so great to have you on the show. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? (laughs) Well, I have the luxury of showing up to Onnit and having a full cafe that makes me all these delicious shakes and elixirs and different things that I get for breakfast. So I had a shake this morning. Mm, yum. I've heard about this cafe at Honor and I definitely want to visit it one day. It sounds amazing. It is quite good. Yeah. So you have an incredibly amazing story and you've got you've achieved so much success. And I want you to share a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today. Well, that's a long question because the story starts really early. You know, it starts with some innate curiosity that I think was, you know, partially instilled in me from my parents and my grandma who always, you know, would read to me stories and tales of adventure and new discoveries in National Geographic and and kind of keep me curious about life and, and also about myself. And, and I think that you know, as I went through and was an athlete and would try and optimize performance, my stepmother was a nutraceutical doctor for a lot of the big basketball teams, LA Lakers and the New York Knicks, Miami Heat, and a lot of different top performance athletes and individuals. So, you know, I would get used to having a a napkin full of supplements before game day and a different napkin with different supplements on test day to help optimize my cognitive performance. So I got used to this idea that there was things that I could do both in training and practices and also things that I could ingest that would actually modulate and affect how I would perform at any goal or task that I had. 
And that early paradigm and that understanding led to just more curiosity and more exploration as I went through and went to college at University of Richmond and, you know, studied philosophy, which was setting myself to solve some of the biggest problems that I, that the world could find, which I think is the aim of any good philosophy. Then just started applying that to the smaller challenges, the personal challenges. And along the way, met a lot of spiritual mentors and from plant medicines and shamans to a lot of direct experiential practices and, you know, continued to meet athletes and top performers and kind of wove all of this into a holistic philosophy we ended up calling Total Human Optimization. And on it, which is the company I founded, was kind of the central tip of the spear of that movement. You know, the idea that we could create these different tools and these different practices and all of these things and offer them to people and all things that I'd learned along the way and learned from other people and researched and practiced and trained and you know, since founding that, it's really now I have the opportunity to, to really live my dream and be a part of, you know, something that I've been a part of personally my whole life, but now I get to share it with the world. Beautiful. So for someone who hasn't heard of Onnit, what is Onnit? Well, Onnit is, you know, a place where people go to get a little bit better tomorrow than they are today. And whether that's through a, just a piece of inspiration off, you know, some content that we put out or an idea that we have or a biohack that we're talking about, or whether it's the actual purchase of a product like one of our nutritional supplements or maybe one of our unconventional fitness tools. You know, there's so many different ways that we offer people access to that idea of total human optimization and, you know, understanding that everything works together. You know, some of the best things that you can do for your mindset is to work on your body. And some of the best ways to work on your body is to fix those negative self-limiting beliefs that are preventing you from being the best that you can possibly be. You know, really the goal of on it is not to make everybody into a superstar athlete or make anybody into somebody else, but to just be the absolute very best version of themselves because you're the only one who can be the very best version of you. Like you can be a second rate version of somebody else, but you can only be a first rate version of yourself and you're the only one who can do that. And I think that's the message and, and those are the tools that we try to provide. I love that you and Onnit have a very holistic approach to life and business and health and wellness. It's not just about going to the gym and getting huge. You do take into consideration eating and and exercise, but also play and sleeping and sex. And you have such a holistic and very well-rounded spiritual approach. Have you always had that? You know, that's something that's really developed over time, you know, and I think I didn't grow up with any spiritual background. You know, I was actually a pretty angry atheist, you know, through all the way through high school. And when I was 19, I went on a vision quest and met a shaman out in the mountains and they gave me a brew of psilocybin tea and I felt my body evaporate and I felt something remain. And I looked back at all my former beliefs and I went, oh, shit, I got some things wrong. I really need to rethink this. And, and then from there, it led me on this path of you know, kind of direct experiential spirituality, things that I could really feel and understand. And also, you know, drawing in some of the great philosophies and religions and finding the common ground between all of them. And then, you know, understanding that that's one of the pillars of being, you know, really an optimized person. You have to optimize your spiritual body, as well as your mental body, your emotional body, your physical body. It's only when those things are all in harmony that you, know, you get 
to play the symphony that is truly you at your best. Mm. So let's go back to what happened to you when you were 19 years old, this experience that really shaped and molded you. This was something that your dad suggested. Is that right? Can you tell us more about this? Well, I think a lot of us are driven to solve problems based on needs that we have and, you know, things that we're really trying to fix about ourselves. So my father tried many things. You know, he had one of those really overactive minds that was hard to escape from, you know, and I think that's something that, you know, he, he passed on to me to a certain degree or I think, but I think it's something we all have, you know, is we're oftentimes our own biggest challenge to overcome. And that's just getting our head in the right space, getting our heart in the right space. And one of the tools that he had found along the path was the guided use of plant medicines. And so, you know, from his experience, he wanted to share that experience with me. So he linked me up with, you know, that, that shaman that he knew of. And I went out there in the mountains by myself, terrified. I actually grabbed a rock from a hike that I went on. And I, was, I thought, as long as I hold this rock, I'll be tethered to reality. Well, what I didn't realize that was that I wasn't going to lose touch with reality. I was actually going to open myself up to an even greater truth about my current reality and about the reality in general. And so, you know, I didn't really need the rock, but I still have that rock on my mantle and it's still special to me. But yeah, I mean, I, I experienced that part of myself, which I was blind to, which was hidden to me formally. And that was my consciousness or my soul, if your vocabulary permits that, or that force of life that animates this physical being. And, you know, I really got to experience what that was and start to understand it, which has been a long journey of understanding ever since. And to have that sort of experience at 19 years old, I'm just like, wow, you know, it really must have, you know, where a lot of people at that age kind of may go down one path, you kind of went down this other unconventional path. How was that for you? Like when you'd had that experience, this expansive experience, and maybe how did you relate to your friends? You know, when you came back, was there a disconnect there? There was. <laughs> there was. I mean, how do you describe that? You know, how do you describe something that's that that's that different from the current paradigm that you've been in? And, you know, so I think some of my friends were willing to go with me on that kind of mental ride and kind of understand where I was coming from. And some of them just thought, oh, you know, you're just doing drugs in the woods, like, you know, whatever. And I think, you know, at that time, I and mean, we were talking 18 years ago, I mean, the research on psilocybin and plant medicines, all of that was in its infancy. There was only a couple websites with mostly just trip reports. And of course, Terrence McKenna and some, you know, Aldous Huxley and some of the, the great kind of forefathers of the movement had already put their work into play, but it wasn't the same environment that it is now. So, you know, it certainly wasn't that kind of everyday conversation like I'm getting in these days, which is, you know, people asking about microdosing, people talking about the latest research coming out of Johns Hopkins and coming out of maps.org and all the things that are happening. You know, we're really at the precipice right now of revolution and understanding that, you know, didn't exist then. So it was much different climate for sure. Mm. And did some of those friendships dissolve or, you know, how, how did that unfold? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, I think friendships are always evolving. And, you know, I think some stay and some go as you mm. transform and evolve yourself and you start to find accord and, you know, vibrational agreement with 
and philosophical paradigm agreement with people. And then those friendships, you know, grow and get, grow stronger. And some of the other ones fall off. And I think that's, that's fine. You know, that's part of the natural life cycle, you know, so that's been a continuing process, not only from then, but even now. Mm, Absolutely. So your latest book, well, this is your first book, Own the Day, Own Your Life. Is that correct? The first one? That's correct. I attempted to write a book, but I really didn't know what writing a book was, <laughs> what was involved. So that ended up being an online course. But this was the first one that I really, you know, paid the blood price, so to speak, and, and did everything necessary to really make it a great book. Tell us about it. Tell us about Own Your Day, Own Your Life. Why did you write it? And, and you know, what's it about? Well, it's really, you know, I had accumulated knowledge over, you know, a lifetime of experience, over contact with some of the top performers in the world, the best doctors, the leading cutting-edge researchers. But we had that information scattered across in a variety of different places. And I hadn't seen anybody who'd put that all together into a cohesive plan, something that included like you mentioned, playing, and sleeping, and sex, and eating, and training, and biohacks, and the best thing you can do the first, first thing when you wake up, and all of these things, putting that all together in one place was something that I hadn't seen, some really holistic approach to living well. I mean, I really kind of likened it to, like, when you buy a new car, you have an owner, owner's manual in the glove box that tells you all the features of the car and how to keep the car running well, keep it performing optimally. But we don't have one of those manuals. So I wanted to create that manual. But I think a really key moment in the process was when I decided that instead of putting this in a 30 or 40 or 90 day plan, which is very difficult to adhere to, let's just focus on one day. Let's focus on one day that anybody can do and then be able to repeat that day over and over again. Because I realized that the key thing to having any habit that really sticks and really making a change in your life is to feel it you got to taste it. And if you got to wait 40 days to taste it, most people aren't even ever going to feel it. So it doesn't work. But you can do one day and then really feel how different you feel. Then you can make some pretty lasting change in your life. So what are the big things in the book that have transformed your life? Like go, go through each area, the waking, working, learning, eating, training, playing, sleeping, and sex. Give us one of the best rituals or tips from each of them that have really transformed and helped you master your life? Sure. Well, you know, I can try and give as quick a synopsis as possible. Obviously, you know, I think the book goes into a lot of detail of the science behind this. There's over 300 clinical academic references and a lot of stories and anecdotes, but I can kind of run through the day and give some of the highlights. Yes, please. I think the first thing you got to think about when you wake up is that You've lost over a pound of water overnight just from breathing out the moisture-rich water vapors that are in your body and breathing in the drier air. So you wake up on the precipice of mild dehydration, and mild dehydration creates anxiety, anger, frustration, you know, mental fog, and we're right on the borderline of that, the very first thing we, when we wake up. So what you got to do right when you wake up is hydrate, and that means to drink 12, 16 ounces of ideally spring water because that has the best pH electrolyte balance. And then add in some additional electrolytes, which you've also lost because we're not a freshwater aquarium. We're a saltwater aquarium. Like our bodies are filled with salt water. So when you put in just distilled water, you're not replenishing the minerals that you need. 
and eventually, you know, you're going to have health issues from that. So adding a couple grams of sea salt or Himalayan pink salt, and then a splash of lemon is also really nice, has bioflavonoids, kind of warms up the gastric juices in your stomach. And that's the first thing you should do. I call it the morning mineral cocktail. And surprisingly enough, that's like the breakout star of the book, I would say. It's so simple to do, but it makes such a dramatic difference. The first thing you do if you have that morning mineral cocktail of the water, the salt, and the lemon, and then you're rehydrated, your electrolytes are replenished, and you have like that back-to-baseline start of what a healthy day could look like. So when you get that done, the next thing you got to worry about is your circadian rhythm. And actually, circadian biology, which is the study of how different times of the day and your interaction with the environment affects the body that actually just won a Nobel Prize recently because it's so important and so we don't really pay that much attention to it. So a way to cue the body that it's time to wake up and that you are awake and that you need to go out and own the day is you got to get light, number one, because light through all the photoreceptors in the body, through the eyes, through the skin, through the ears, you know, that actually tells the body that, oh, it's dawn. It's time to wake up. It's time to get busy. It's time to get moving. So I recommend people get out in the sunlight, as much light as they possibly can. Or if they don't have sunlight, there's ways that you can use artificial light, even any kind of like strong blue light to help kind of wake up the body and also get moving. It's not a workout. It's just moving the body around. And that will also cue the circadian rhythm to tell you it's time to wake up. And what we're trying to do here is we're trying to get you up out of bed. So without needing a big old cup of coffee, which is going to spike your adrenaline and spike all your hormones. But it's like hitting the turbo button first thing. You want to save that button for when you really need it and use the body's natural elements to help yourself get awake and get alert and get ready for the day. Okay, cool. What what happens after that? Because like I'm I'm thinking, yep, yeah, I do the water, I do the light, I do the moving. So I get three gold stars. Three gold stars. Yeah. You're, <laughs> yeah. on a, you're on a roll. All right. So the next thing. I'm on a roll. What's next? And the next thing I really talk about is, you know, one of the things that's really killing us is too much stress and too much inflammation. You know, these are these kind of constant dragons that are breathing fire on us at all times of the day. You know, we're a, a stressed out culture and we're, we're a, and that stress actually exacerbates the inflammatory state, which is the root of a lot of diseases. So one method to combat that is to utilize two natural doctors that we have available to us, the breath and the cold, and combine those into one practice. And so I spent some time with Wim Hof, who's the famous ice man who utilizes his breathing techniques to set world records, climbing Mount Everest in shorts and doing all these incredible feats. But I take it and make it really simple. And you can make it really simple by going into the shower. And so you do 30 to 40 deep breaths while the water's warm and you finish all your normal morning hygiene. And then you turn that shower nozzle cold. And at that point, the effects and the benefits of that cold water immersion start to take effect. So you'll increase your norepinephrine, which actually decreases your stress. One of the hormones that decreases your stress. You'll lower inflammation. You'll add in these things called cold shock proteins, which assist with longevity. And you'll start to create this really powerful state shift that will support the body by reducing inflammation and reducing stress. But the other benefit of that is it's hard to turn that shower nozzle cold. Like it's not easy, <laughs> you know, and that takes... Especially in winter. Especially in winter, but that's where you're going to get even more of the benefit. But that process of doing it, you know, the single defining thing that separates those people who have these incredible lives and these incredible days from the people who don't 
is the ability to do the thing they don't want to do, even though they know it's good for them. And I call that skill mental override. And you get to train that every day in the shower. Mm. You know, as you look at that nozzle, you know it's going to be good for you. You know you're going to feel good when it's done. You just got to do it. And there's no way to practice doing it without practicing doing it. That practice always makes the master, whether it's love or whether it's cold showers. You know, the more you practice it, the better you're going to get at it. And so I think that's the other ancillary benefit of, you know, turning that shower nozzle cold when you, after you finish with your nice warm shower. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. Yes, I do that in summer and it's really easy, but <laughs> I am a real massive chicken when it comes to doing it in the winter. But I've done it for years and and used my breath and I've done a lot of kundalini breath work and things like that. And you're right. It really does change something within you. And it's so great. It's so, you feel You feel invincible when you do it. You do. Yeah. You're, you're basically building your own superhero characteristics, you know, that ability to, that ability to charge through and forge through those feelings of resistance and that fear that the cold brings up because it's ultimately just fear. It's going to be good for you. You know, that program of discomfort that you think is going to happen is actually misguided because it's actually going to support yourself. And if it is winter and your house is freezing cold, you know, and you don't want to stay cold, you know, feel free to turn it back hot after you've done with the cold. So you still, you know, emerge from the shower warm, you'll still get a lot of the same benefits from, you know, having what's called a contrast shower where you go cold and then end back hot. And that's fine, too, as long as you get that about two minutes of cold exposure, two to three minutes of cold exposure, you're going to reap the majority of those benefits. And really, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the fastest ways to change the landscape of your mind and one of the simplest things you can do. Mm, I love it. And I love what you said. You're, you're basically training your mind. You're retraining and reprogramming your mind. You're doing something. You're feeling the fear, literally feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And what that does to your brain is, is going to ripple it out into all the other areas of your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what you learn, what you learn locally, you'll be able to apply universally. And, you know, that's one of the big lessons that, that you can take from life. And, and it goes the other way. What you learn universally, you'll be able to apply locally. So learning these skills extends far beyond what you'll be able to use in the shower. It'll extend to those times where you know you shouldn't, you know, call that, call that certain someone or you know you should get started on that work. And, you know, and you'll have that ability to, to control your mind and be able to do the thing that you know that you should do. Mm. All right. So everything that you've given us so far, the water, the light, the moving, the stress, the cold showers, the breath, they're all free. You know, everything that you've given us is free. It's not like we have to go out and we have to buy new equipment. So what happens next? Well, next you got to look at the food that you're eating. And I think, you know, you can keep that really simple. The thing that's killing all of us is the wild blood sugar swings that we get from sugar and refined carbohydrates. Like that is the biggest public enemy number one, two, three, four, five. Like if, if you look at the problems, the health problems, it really all comes back to sugar and refined carbohydrate. So there's a time and a place to have your bread and have your pasta, but it's certainly not at the start of the day because what you don't want to do is play that game of metabolic ping pong where you're spiking your blood sugar by having some pastry or having your Nestle Milo or whatever, 
other beverage you might want to have or juice or high sugar, anything you want for breakfast that's peddled to everybody's high sugar cereal and all this pancakes and all this crap, you know, because then you're going to spike your blood sugar. Your body's going to release insulin to try and scuttle that blood sugar away. That blood excess glucose is going to get stored in your body as fat because, you know, the body can only process a fraction of that amount. And then as the insulin, the body releases too much insulin, you're going to go hypoglycemic, which is going to make you irritable and tired. And then you're going to want more sugar and then you're going to get more fat. And then it just creates this whole negative cycle. And really all you have to do is focus on really eliminating that from the diet in the early parts of the day, at least prior to working out. Now, after you've worked out, then your body can utilize some more of that glycogen. It can utilize some more of that glucose. So that's a good time to have that glass of wine or a good time to have a little sourdough bread with your meal. But at the start of the day, you want to keep it high in fat, high in protein, high in fiber, and really low in particularly refined carbohydrates and fast carbohydrates. But really, I try to recommend people to cut out as much of the carbohydrate as possible for the first few meals of the day. Awesome. Okay, then what's next? What else can we be doing to really optimize and master our day? Well, I think really, I think we got to take mindfulness with us wherever we go. And so I talk about a mindfulness practice that I learned from Native American trained tracker, Tom Brown, and he calls it the wide peripheral gaze. So mindfulness and meditation is something that all of us really know that we should do, but not that many of us are actually doing. And part of the reason is that, you know, it's one, it's challenging. And two, you know, a lot of us feel like we need to have like the perfect place and the perfect environment to do that. And that's not really, you know, going to be real life for a lot of us. Not all of us are going to have that 30 minutes or 40 minutes with a meditation cushion and the perfect incense and the perfect music to practice our Vipassana and practice our other, other things. So we need a mindfulness we can take with us. So what I recommend people do is even on the commute or even when they have any moment is to take six deep breaths, which has been shown in the Japanese research study to start to create state shift at a lower blood pressure and start to shift the brainwave patterns of your brain, just six. So, you know, everybody says like, take a deep breath. Really, they should be saying, take 60 breaths. So if ever you're frustrated or angry or really need to take a break, take a moment, take 60 breaths. And with that 60 breaths, there's another practice called the wide peripheral gaze. And whereas a lot of meditation will focus your thoughts on one particular thing, with the wide peripheral gaze, you're trying to focus, <clears throat> focus your attention on as much as possible. So you're opening up your eyes to see as much in the visual field as you possibly can and see everything as far to the corners of your eyes, up and down and left and right, looking at everything and looking at nothing at the same time, and just allowing all of that visual information to wash over you. And when you really do that, you find that it's very difficult to actually think about anything else. You're just in that big now, in that state of presence, which is the end goal of mindfulness. And it's one of the fastest ways that I've actually encountered to get to that state of mindfulness, to get to that state of presence, which is the escape of a lot of these self-defeating mental programs. Right. And so do you do that daily or do you have other meditation practices that have really worked for you? I do have other, I have all the meditation practices and ecstatic dance and yoga and and sensory deprivation and, you know, traditional Vipassana and open focus and chanting and music and all of the different ways. But every day I'll practice that wide peripheral gaze and take those 60 breaths. And I tend to do it 
in my commute, you know, while I'm in the car. Because, you know, while I'm in the car, or while I'm traveling, or you know, that's a great opportunity that you, you can either waste by listening to pop, you know, just pop music or just distracting yourself or flipping through your phone or utilize it as time to practice mindfulness, time to really be present, be here. So I try to use that in those kind of transitional phases, in those dead spaces as like a little bit of a reset to get me back and keep me on track. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you do that really helps you master your day? Lots of things. You know, we haven't even made it past chapter chapter seven yet. <laughs> you know, so I think there's, you know, looking at different tools, like how to use caffeine, you know, anytime that you're utilizing caffeine, you're going to want to blend it with healthy fats. You know, the body, despite the name being fat, the body needs fat to burn fat. You know, that's the, that's the thing that we've really gotten wrong is that people think that fat makes you fat. It's really not the case. And then there's dozens of clinical studies that have shown that. And so blending your coffee or any kind of caffeine with healthy fats, whether that's MCT oil, like we offer it on it, or whether it's coconut oil or butter or full cream, that's going to actually slow down the absorption of the caffeine and give you this more time-released effect. So, you know, that whole concept of blending heavy fat with your caffeine is really, really actually very smart. And it's actually the same thing you want to do when you have any kind of anything that you want to slow down. So like if you're going to have a, a bowl of ice cream, you know, like one of the ways that you can actually slow down the sugar instead of adding sprinkles, which is just more sugar on top of your ice cream, you know, try adding something like chia seeds or like flax seeds or like psyllium, which is actually going to be a soluble fiber and or some kind of other fat content. It's actually going to slow down the absorption of that sugar, just like it would slow down the absorption of that caffeine and actually allow your body to modulate it bit better. So there's lots of little different tactics and tricks that I put in the book to help manage the speed of uptake of any substance that you're consuming. Mm, I love that. Now, how does play come into the picture and why is it so important? You know, they did a, they did a study at Harvard where they took a bunch of men in their 70s and they brought them into an environment and in that environment, they reversed the age of that environment so that it was a much younger environment. And they encouraged the men to play. And what they found at the end of it is that their whole biological markers started to reverse. Everything from arthritis to all of these conditions started to reverse. And they were playing touch football and they were just playing and enjoying themselves. And the body stays young when it feels young. And so not only are you going to enjoy playing, you're also going to signal to your body that everything is okay and that you're you know, you're thriving, you're happy, your body is healthy. And that positive placebo effect of the play itself is going to keep you more healthy than all the green shakes you can put in your body in the world. And I like my green shakes, my green juices too. But really playing and being young and expressing yourself as young is going to do more to keep you young, both in body and in spirit than pretty much anything else you can do. So how do you make sure you inject play into your everyday life? <laughs> well, you have to you have to go after your play. Like I think a lot of times we just kind of wait for play to happen, but you have to plan to play. Mm. You know, plan to plan to dance. My family used to have this game, they called it the bell dance. And anybody at any point could ring a bell and play a song and everybody would have to stop what they were doing and dance that song. And it would end up, you know, initially some people would be busy doing something. They're like, oh my God, somebody rang the bell. I can't believe this. And they'd be frustrated. But after five minutes of dancing, 
everybody was laughing and having fun and it really brought the family close. And so just having ways that you can, you know, kind of compel yourself to let it go and to play. And whether that's with your dog or whether with your kids or with your lover or with whoever, just making sure that you schedule in that time to play is really, really important. Mm, I love that so much. It's so important. And I hear it a lot that people are like, oh, I don't have time or I don't know what to do. So what would you say to that? <laughs> well, yeah, I think you need to watch what kids do. <laughs> you know, like this is a time to learn from learn from our younger, our younger allies here. And, you know, kids have no issue figuring out ways to play and neither should we, you know, and I think that can come in so many different ways and shapes or forms and just finding those things, whether it's a sport or an activity or whether it's dance or whether it's play in the bedroom, you know, like just play, have fun and enjoy your life and don't be so rigid. You know, you're only as rigid as you believe you are. It's one of those things that, you know, I think we all know how to do it. We've all felt it. We all just have to give ourselves permission and understand how important it is that we deserve it. You know, I think we all get so hard on ourselves. We feel like I don't deserve to play. I got to work. I got important things to do. I got to, I have been slacking off. I've got to grind. I got to kill it. I got to, yeah, maybe, but you also have to enjoy yourself. And the more you enjoy yourself, the more passion you're going to bring to any of your work projects and anything that you're doing. So you got to keep both of those in balance. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Something I ask myself at the start of every day when I'm looking at my MITs that I need to do for the day, I always ask myself, well, how am I going to play? Where am I going to inject some play? What am I going to do? And, and sometimes it's spontaneous and sometimes I'm like, okay, well, I've got a full day, so I've got to create some space in my day so that I can play and dance around. And sometimes it's just literally dancing around the kitchen with my husband or just being silly, something like that. And you know, in the past for me, my inner critic is like, no, no, you don't have time for that. Like you, you got to get back to work and would, you know, make me feel guilty, but playing raises our vibration and it is our most important work because we are different when we play. We're completely different. Our cells are different. Our vibration is higher. So it's our duty to play. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like it's as important as any work that you have to do. And, you know, I, there's a disproportionate amount that you'll get done when you feel good. You know, like the greatest things that I've accomplished have come from, you know, a lot of these moments where I felt the passion and I felt zest and zeal for life. And I felt alive and expressed somatically through every cell. And I don't get that unless I'm able to play, unless I'm able to really figure out the why, like, why are we working so hard? Why are we doing all this? Well, if we don't have the reward, if life isn't that good, then what's the point? You know, why are we doing all this? And if we don't know the why, then we can't, you know, take care of the how. So, you know, play just recalibrates the why. And it's incredibly important. Can't be overstated. Mm, absolutely. And I know you talk a lot about the importance of sleep. And look, I feel like I bang on and on about this in, in almost every single podcast with every expert and guest that I bring on. You know, there's this common theme that sleep is so important and that we need to value it and that we need to make sure we're going to bed every night at the same time. We've created a beautiful sleep sanctuary and we're getting our eight hours. Are there any other tips for people who are listening that are like, mm, I can sleep when I'm dead? 
you know, what are some other tips that you might have for them? Yeah, I'm like the I'm like the rebel voice in that whole thing because I say fuck your eight hours and fuck your bedtime at the same time every night. Like that to me isn't the most important thing. I think the most important thing is that you make up on that sleep whenever you can get it. So I'm a huge proponent of napping, and I abide by what Nick Littlehale wrote about in his book Sleep, which talks about getting 30 to 35 sleep cycles a week whenever you can get them, and a nap counts as that sleep cycle. So I really encourage people because it's sometimes difficult to get that eight hours of uninterrupted sleep. So I encourage people to nap. And, you know, the research pans out that a nap is actually better for mental performance and focus and a lot of biological markers than more overnight sleep or more caffeine. So making sure that you, you know, even if you didn't get, yeah, do your best to sleep at night. I'm not saying like, don't try, but don't put that much pressure on, it, you know, because know that you can make it up with a nap catch up on sleep and you can do what you can to to broaden that horizon from just one single night through the span of a week and just make sure that you're getting it in any way that you can. And with your research, is there a specific time that's best to nap or how long? Like is it 20 minutes in the afternoon? Like is there anything in the research? So you have, you have two different really options for napping. So there's going to be a natural lull in your circadian rhythm. There's going to be two lulls. One's going to come right after lunch around one o'clock. That's when I took my nap today at about one o'clock and it was fantastic. And then there's going to be another lull that you'll feel around four o'clock. And so people probably naturally feel that. They feel that natural lull after lunch and they feel that natural lull, you know, sometime before dinner, you know, right towards the end of the day. And, you know, probably the best thing you can do is instead of fighting that off with, you know, heaps of coffee and whatever other stimulant you might want, just go with it. You know, when you have the opportunity, even if you're going out to your car and putting on your headphones, and putting on some binaural beats, which is one of the biohacks that I really enjoy, and just conking out for 30 minutes, which is 20 to 30 minutes, which is what Nick Littlehill calls a controlled recovery period, even if you don't go completely asleep, that has incredible benefit. Or aim for a full 90-minute sleep cycle. But most of us aren't going to have time for that full 90-minute, I'm going to drool on my pillow, you know, fantastic nap. So I typically aim for that 30-minute spot. And, you know, after I've finished that, I just wake up, again, feeling like a superhero. And so at your office, I'm curious, where do you go and do your nap? Do you just, like, find a little room and, and whip out your pillow? Well, you know, I got I got the founder CEO office, and so I got a big ass room, and I got a, I got a nice couch, and <laughs> I got a blanket, and I put on my headphones, and I you know conk out on the couch, and people know not to bug me when the lights are off. So I have a, a real luxury where I'm at, but when I'm not here, you know, I'll I'll get it in anywhere. You know, I'll get it in outside. You know, there's people, you know, Kyle Kingsbury, our director of human optimization here. We'll see him napping. In any chair, any, any, any lounge place. We'll see him lying with his back on the grass and earthing and napping in the sun. And, you know, it, it really, wherever you can find it, you know, some people go to their cars, wherever you can find the opportunity, you know, go for it. Mm, beautiful. I've got a friend who naps in his car and I thought, how could you do it? Like how? I probably couldn't fall asleep, but he's just like, you wait, you get in there and it is like a cocoon and he's out. Yep, exactly. So I'd love to shift gears a little bit and talk about sex. Now, my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex, covers a lot of 
the topic of sex and you're in an open relationship. <laughs> how, how's that? And how is, how important is, is sex for you in owning your day? Well, sex is one of those natural miracle drugs like exercise. You know, when you look at improving things across the board from your mood to your health, to your mental health, emotional health, you know, sex is incredibly important. And so that's one factor. So definitely making sure that you're having enough sex, but then also that you're really enjoying it, you're getting the most out of it. And to really enjoy sex, you've got to be there in the moment having sex. And I think the biggest problem that particularly us guys have is we're so worried about our performance. And we're so worried about validating ourselves as, you know, Tarzan, king of the bedroom, that we're not actually there presently having sex. And in that dialogue, in that physical communication with our lover to really make it awesome. You know, we're really just looking at a mirror, you know, between our lover's legs at back at ourselves and saying, how am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing? Am I doing it right? How am I doing? And when you're doing it like that, of course, you're not going to have as much sex because you're not going to enjoy it as much. So I think really, you know, leaving the ego out of it, going into it like a student, always learning, learning from your lover, you know, taking the pressure off, making sure that something goes wrong, you laugh about it. It's not something you, you have to feel shame about. You know, we're, we got to relearn how to, how to have sex, really. And to do that, you just got to, you know, humble yourself a little bit and recognize that, you know, we're not all born the best lover of all time. And, and that's not why the person you're with is with you, because you are the best lover of all time. And if you have that attitude, then you actually might actually get to become one of those great legendary lovers. But that's only going to happen if you come with an open mind and open communication and are really willing to look at how you can get better, how you can push the boundaries and play and enjoy the experience a little bit more. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I talk about it as, you know, before I started having really what I call soulful sex, which is what you referred to basically really present, mindful, open lovemaking, I used to have junk food sex, which was ex is exactly what you said. It was, you know, oh my God, I'm in my head. Am I, do I look good? Is, is, my, is my stomach flat? Do, are my thighs wobbling? You know, that's more what the, the females are thinking, probably. The men are more thinking, oh my gosh, am I performing well? Where the females are like, oh my God, does, do I look fat? Do, you know, do, how, how, you know? But, but what <laughs> yeah, that totally, does totally. is it really pulls us out of the moment. And, you know, soulful sex mm -hmm. is, it's a mindfulness practice. You know, we call it adult meditating because you, in order to really have a godly experience, you've both got to be really present and there and, and open and honest and vulnerable. And that can sometimes, like you said, there's a mirror and it can sometimes feel really scary, but it's so rewarding when you do, when you leave the ego or I call your inner critic or your inner mean girl, when you leave that at the door and you can just come in and be present with your beloved, you know, it's mind blowing. It is mind blowing. Yeah. And I, and I think there's a lot of ways to play, you know, I mean, I think obviously that very light, you know, tantric soulful sex is a beautiful way to connect. And then you know, there's also the darker, more base heavy, you know, deeper primal aspects that you can explore and play with too. But the thing that you'll find in both of those is both to do it demand, 
you know, extreme presence and they bring extreme presence and extreme escape from this kind of mental prison that we put ourselves in by dropping us into the deep now. So whichever way you want to go with it, you know, I, I'm wide open to all different types of this, this sexual expression. But the key thing is, is if you're there, be doing it, you know, be out of your head. Don't be doing it for any other reason than the sex itself, you know, and that's, I think, really the goal of, of any, you know, good encounter that you're having in the bedroom. Mm. And I find with my husband and I, if one of us is in our head, it's, you know, if he comes in and he's in his head, I do my very best to help support him to bring him back into his body. And I do that through touch or, you know, massage. I grab some coconut oil and I start with a beautiful massage to help bring him back into his body. And he does the same for me. And I found that really supportive and helpful. You know, if your beloved is in their head, help them, support them, you know, bring, help bring them back into their body, into the moment. You know, it's such a beautiful thing that we can do for each other. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it's, it's medicine. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no doubt about it. It's a universal medicine, you know, to be able to help your partner and provide that medicine is, is going to be great. And also, you know, provide it without judgment. You know, we're all interesting, curious creatures. And I think there's so much shame and judgment around sexuality, like allow them to express and explore and talk about things, you know, allow the verbal communication of it to be a judgment free zone where you get to talk about things and maybe it's not something you're into doesn't mean you have to do it but even just allowing the freedom to you know discuss and to talk about it without shaming them for what they want or what they feel you know that's really going to add a lot of richness to the sex life as well Mm, I talk a lot about that in my book practicing crystal clear communication it's something that a lot of us don't do we don't actually sit and practice crystal clear communication I know for the feminine we think you guys can read our minds, but you can't, you know, you guys can't read our minds. And I tell <laughs> my tribe and everyone on the podcast so much, like you guys can't read our mind. So we have to practice crystal clear communication. We have to say how we're feeling from our heart. That's what crystal clear communication is all about. You know, we have to remember that no one can read each other's minds. So, and, and doing this in the bedroom is, a great place to practice. If you can do it there, when you feel the most vulnerable, then, you know, it'll ripple out into other areas of your life. I agree. Yeah. Where you practice locally, you practice universally. It's the same thing. Exactly. So, so you mentioned that sex was one of the six best free miracle drugs. What are the other five? Well, we talked about some of them. Light, is another one. So, you know, getting light on your body, not only for the vitamin D exposure, but for the circadian rhythm, that's one. Breath, that's another free miracle drug that you have available to you at all times, can modulate your state, state of consciousness, state of being. So utilizing breath, temperature is another one that we talked about with the cold shower. Movement is perhaps the greatest miracle drug of all. You know, when you're talking about depression markers and weight loss and all of these things, you know, not only physical, but mental getting exercise and movement, however that may be for you. It doesn't have to happen in a gym. Walking, running, swimming, playing, even sex, you know, all of that counts as, as movement practice. That's another, another one of the free doctors that we have available. Sleep, you know, is certainly another one. 
And again, you know, these are all things that we have available to us that cost nothing. And hydration is another one. So getting plenty of water. So, you know, of course you can pay for, you can pay for expensive bottles of water. And Mm. I certainly go out and get the best spring water for myself. But in general, you know, there's a lot of good filters out there and good ways to get as much water as you can drink and making sure that you're staying hydrated. You know, all of these things are fully available to us all the time and literally cost nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that about you and your work. I love it. I'd love to shift gears though now and focus the spotlight a little bit more on you. I'd love to hear, what do you attribute your success to? I think I would say just, you know, being honest, you know, being real. You know, I think people listen because they see some of themselves and the things that I'm going through and the challenges. You know, I, I talk about something like open relationship and I explain how the feeling of when my lover is seeing somebody else feels like a thousand spears stabbing my stomach. And, you know, the, the first few years it would happen, I would have to take a knee and I didn't know if I was going to vomit or pass out or if I was going to be able to make it. And, and so I don't try to sugarcoat the tough parts and I don't try to pretend that I always get it right. And I don't try to pretend that I got it all figured out because I certainly don't, you know, I'm constantly learning and I just try to share my honest account of how these things have helped me and how these things could help other people. And I think people appreciate that. And I'd say if there was any one thing that contributed to the success of the book and the platform and my podcast, you know, it would be that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And which is what drew me to you is your honesty and your authenticity. It's really beautiful. And just yeah, how you can talk about so many different things, sex and and having an open relationship. And I'm curious to know like if that feels like spears in your heart, why do you do it? Because what feels like the spears is really my ego. And it's really my ego getting threatened. And it's getting threatened by false assumptions, by the assumption that I should control another person's desire for pleasure, that I should be the only person that, that, that my lover is interested in, that I'm the only one that they should enjoy, that I'm the only one that they could enjoy, that and all of these kind of notions that I don't believe are true. You know, I believe that we're all truly wild creatures at heart. And you know, there's so many beautiful people in the world that all of these people are just me living a different life. And you know, I don't feel that it's right for me to tell my lover and my fiance that I'm the only one she should ever get to experience physically, emotionally, sexually. You know, it doesn't seem to make sense to me. And it's not that you know, we have a super crazy thing where we're always sleeping with other people. And, but, you know, if that opportunity comes and if there's that connection, you know, rather than have to decide, well, you know, I, I either have to lie and cheat and do something behind someone's back, which truly erodes the relationship and truly erodes the love, or I have to not act on it, which can build resentment. And then resentment becomes the monster that starts to eat away at the love. Why not give the freedom to explore that and give the blessing? to do that, even if it's, you know, temporarily painful. What we found is that it's just brought us closer and closer together. But this isn't a this isn't a blanket endorsement for open because you are going against a lot of cultural programming. You're really going to come up against some of the touchiest, fiery spots of your own ego and your own need for validation and your own fears of abandonment and your own, you know, ideas of self worth. It's going to really challenge that. So the reason to go into open relationship is not to expand your sexual options. It's really to learn about yourself and to take that 
hero's journey to try and become the very best version of yourself, to really look out at the world as if everybody is you living a different life. And even if it's not you making love to your lover, it is you making love to your lover because you're part of the universe. You're part of, you know, part of the all. And so you're making love as the universe to your lover nonetheless. And so it really forces this super highly conscious perspective, but it does that through immense, <laughs> immense challenge and immense pain. So it's definitely not a path for everybody. I have never heard it described like that. And I just want to thank you for bringing that to light. You know, it's, it's such a mirror. And, you know, I, I want to almost commend you for, for doing <laughs> it because, yeah, you, it would bring up all of your stuff. And, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, so... Well done. Well done. Yeah, well, thanks. I'm doing, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my wow. best. Wow. Wow. It sounds like you guys have a really beautiful relationship. We do. Yeah. A lot of love and a lot of laughs and a lot of fun. Definitely the, the best relationship I've ever been involved. Beautiful. Now, I'd love to hear what is bringing you the most joy in your life right now? I think service, you know, really, like, really helping people being of service is what brings me the most joy. I think when you're younger, you know, there's a lot of goals that are really focused on proving your worth and, you know, getting the material pleasures out of life. And, you know, that's a big driver for you is to validate yourself. And I think when you've had some success, you know, there's real diminishing returns on that, you know, and if there were any returns to start with. And so really you have to, at that point, figure out what really makes you happy. And to me, what makes me happy is, you know, being a service to as many people as I can. You know, when I feel like I'm doing that, I feel like I'm doing what I'm here to do. And there's no greater sense of satisfaction than really knowing that I'm doing what I'm here to do. Yeah, beautiful. What's something that you're working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? Is there anything that's quite current for you? Well, I, I think that fear is, is I think, the one true virus that we're all infected with. And I think it comes in a variety of shapes and forms. And I think to me, it's now just cleaning up all the areas where I still hold fear. And I think that's going to be a continuing process and you know, something I'll continue to work on. And sometimes it'll come on over health concerns. And sometimes it'll come over, you know, emotional or relationship concerns or wherever I find it, you know, just finding the ways to remedy that and really show up as in the truth of who I am. Absolutely. So now let's pretend that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world besides your book, which absolutely needs to be in the school curriculum. What is the one book that you would choose? Hmm. That's tricky. I would say it would either be The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz or perhaps Eckhart Tolle's The New Earth. I think those two books are probably make the biggest shift in understanding you know, some of the key principles uh, that we have to abide by. Beautiful. Now, you've shared a little bit about some of your daily habits, but in particular, I'd love to hear about your morning routine. How do you set yourself up and prime yourself for the day? 
Yeah, that's you know exactly what I talked about earlier with the morning mineral cocktail and the sunlight and the movement. You know, that's that's it. Yep. You know, if I get those three three things right, and then I can add in that cold shower, and I can add in that high protein, high fiber, high fat meal. You know, I'm I'm really rip roaring ready for the day. Awesome. Now I'm also a massive believer and advocate of gratitude and you know verbally expressing what I'm grateful for and for the people that I'm grateful for. So what are three things that you're most recently grateful for? Oh man, you know, I, I think I'm just grateful that, you know, I'm, I'm able to, able to do what I do. You know, I'm grateful that I've all of the people and all of the plants and all of the coincidences and things that had to happen for me to be where I am right now. You know, I'm just super grateful for all of that. My tribe, my family, my everything that's conspired to to create this really dream life that I'm living. You know, it's hard to single out anything in particular because it's all worked together. And I'm just so humbled and, and honored to be able to, to be doing this, you know, what I'm doing right now. Mm, beautiful. All right, I've got three little rapid fire questions for you now. Okay. In your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? Just one thing. Move, move, keep moving. Yeah. You know, like don't, don't worry about whether you're working out or not working out. Just move, move and be still. (laughs) You know, I think we're somewhere between moving and being still at all points. And I mean, mentally still, and I mean, physically moving. And so, you know, if you can physically move and mentally be still, I think you got 90% of the game won. Yeah, love it. Okay, in your opinion, what is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth, so more abundance in all areas of our life? Yeah, I mean, to really be wealthy, you have to be wealthy. You have to feel wealthy. You have to express yourself and recognize how wealthy you already are, and that abundance will create more abundance. You know, like if you see somebody who's desperate, you know, desperate for money and, and always looking and always needing and needing love or needing money. There's nothing less attractive than that. You know, you're not going to want to give your love or give your money to that person that's looking to take it from you. But if you find that person that's in abundance and in accord, you know that they have plenty to share as well. And so that person will attract more wealth and attract all these things. So, you know, recognize your own abundance no matter where you are, no matter what you have. And additional abundance will find you because you'll be in accord with that state of abundance. Mm, your vi- your vibration will be up there with that vibration of abundance. Yeah, mm. exactly. Okay, and what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Love yourself. You know, we are only going to allow as much love into our life as we feel we deserve. So you have to forgive yourself. You have to know that you're worthy of love. Like you could have the most loving person in the world ready to pour love upon you. But if you don't feel like you deserve it and you don't feel like you're worthy of it, you will block that, you know, to the ends of the earth. You will not let any of that in. So, you know, know that you deserve love, know that you're worthy of love, and then allow the love that's all around you all the time to just pour in. Mm, Yes, yes, yes. I love that. And is there anything else that you want to share with us? Is there anything that you wished I had have asked you 
or any last parting words of wisdom that you want to leave us with? No, I'm just grateful to, you know, to talk to your people and I encourage anybody if they've, you know, want to dive deeper, check out my podcast or check out my Instagram. It's Aubrey Marcus podcast and at Aubrey Marcus. And, you know, I love meeting new people and getting to share the journey. And we'll link to all of that in the show notes so everyone can come and find you. They can grab your book, check out your podcast, go follow you on Instagram. We'll link to all of that. And before we go, I just wanted to personally thank you for being here, for showing up, for doing the work, for being such a beautiful representation of the divine masculine. You are strong yet soft. And you have this beautiful balance of the divine masculine and the divine feminine. And we have a lot of mutual friends and that is what they have also shared with me, which has been really beautiful. And I just love what you represent and the work that you're doing in the world and for all of the products and books and programs and everything that you're putting out. You're such a beautiful human being and I'm very grateful to have had this time with you. And I'm a massive believer in service and something that really lights me up as well as you is service. So I want to know how can I and the listeners serve you today? Yeah, just love people, (laughs) smile more, love people, you know, spread. It's kind of like improving the mood of God. One, one smile, one laugh, one hug at a time. No, I mean, that's, that's really it. You know, do the work yourself. Know that all the work that you do on yourself, that ripples out. And, you know, that can be felt by more people than you possibly know. So all of these battles and struggles and trials that you're going through, like, no, you're not just fighting for yourself. That even even if you don't think people are watching, they are. And they see you and they feel you and you'd be surprised at the impact that you make. So just do the best to, you know, to, to help bring yourself up to the truth of who you are and, and uh, the medicine that you can offer the world. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Aubrey. It has been awesome. You better let me know next time you come to Australia. And I know I got a plan to trip out there for sure. You absolutely do. But thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks. Great to chat with you. Wow. What an epic human being. I got so much out of today's episode, and I especially loved when he shared about being in an open relationship. I'd never heard it in that perspective before, and I really appreciated his honesty and openness. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who else you would like me to have on the show. I am at your service. And for everything that Aubrey and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 127. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And just in case you haven't got your hands on my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships, and Soulful Sex, all you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And whilst you're there, you can also get access to my free Open Wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you. So make sure you check it out. 
And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and leave me a review. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here each week. I love and adore you. And I just want to honor you for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Before I go, don't forget, if you are a female coach, consultant, or service provider wanting to take your business to six or seven figures, check out SheLaunch. All you have to do is head to SheLaunch.com, watch the free training on that page, and book in your free call. That's SheLaunch.com. Head there right now, and I cannot wait to meet and work with you and take you and your business to the stars. Now is the time, my friend.